I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and a co-host uh, take turns introducing each other to films, and uh, in this way we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of August 2020, and uh, it's that time of the month again, uh, wherein we do our monthly Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, if you're not familiar with what that is, um, a Catching Up on Blu-ray episode is essentially where we take a look at the calendar month, and uh, any of the physical media releases uh, that debut. Uh, so in this case, we'll be looking at the DVDs, the 4Ks, and the Blu-rays that came out in the month of August 2020. Uh, and to help me out in this process, I have uh, a good friend of the show, uh, Brad, from the Catch uh, Cinema Speak podcast. <laughs> That's my show. <laughs> similar names, similar names. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on here, man. Yeah, no problem, Brad. Sorry. It's it's, it's been a long week. I, I got stuck in traffic running to get back to my computer and get this recording in the can. But uh, thanks for uh, answering the, the bat signal because I, I kind of called you in late in the game. <laughs> Yeah, hey, no problem. I mean, uh, I, I mean this uh, sincerely. I, I've got nothing else going on, so <laughs> why not, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, you and me both. So um, that being said, uh, Brad, um, you and I are both strong proponents of the uh, the tool that we'll be using to go through these films. Uh, that would be, be uh, the resource Blu-ray.com. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you use their app to catalog your movie collection. I do not. I'm a caveman and have, have a spreadsheet that I update manually. But um, I think it's so awesome that they have an app connected to their website because, uh, uh, man, like they're the greatest resource online that I know of for, for this sort of thing. Um, yeah. But folks at home, if you want to follow along, um, just navigate to Blu-ray.com and uh, just visit the Blu-ray release calendar. And, uh, of course, we're going to be looking at all the releases uh, for August 2020. Um, if you're not familiar, uh, movies like DVDs and whatnot generally come out on Tuesdays of each calendar week. Um, so if you want to follow along with the dates on the calendar, uh, feel free. Uh, that being said, uh, it looks like our first uh, official release date on the calendar is uh, August 4th. And uh, right out the gate, we have a couple of 4K discs. Um I don't believe either of these are debuting, though. Um, Inception Inception was released previously, um, and Best Buy apparently has a special like steelbook of the town. Um, I, what are your feelings on, on both of these films, Brad, Inception and the town? Well, Inception, I, uh, I love Inception. Um, I, I recently uh, rewatched it in Fortnite, and uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. You know, I have it on 4K already, but I chose to watch it in Fortnite on a tiny screen with people throwing tomatoes at it, uh, which I think is how Christopher Nolan intended it to be viewed. Um, but I love Inception. It's, it's up there, not like one of my like top 10 favorite movies, but it's up there as a recent movie from the last decade that I love. And the town I really like, uh, but I've only seen it the one time. So that's one I do actually want to revisit. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> I, I really loved uh, the episode of your show. I, I I can't remember what movie you guys were reviewing on that episode, but I loved your story about um, watching Inception in Fortnite because uh, that was such a experience. it was su it's such a novel concept and such a novel experience that it's like I don't blame you for logging in and doing it because yeah. for me I'm. Like no, like no shame on anyone that may be listening or you, Brad. But like, 
I tried Fortnite, and my God, I am just too fucking old. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I mean, like... <laughs> I, I, I don't play Fortnite, like, competitively. I, I literally, I think I had downloaded it previously, and I had to re-download it just so I could go in and watch Inception. Like, that's the only reason I logged onto the game. See, that, that gives you some brownie points with me, Brad, because, yeah, I... I play quite a bit of computer games and just console games like i've been playing games my entire life and me and my good friend who is like top tier uh cs go player uh counter strike um we spent like 20 minutes in that game he was like fuck this noise yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like like i i am i am too old for this shit so yeah, yeah. i i yeah. had it installed on my computer for like 20 minutes and that was it but um that's so cool though that you and your buddy you check that out and weren't you guys like getting bought bounced around on like trampolines or something the whole yeah, time yeah. <laughs> People were throwing, there was like trampolines that would you'd find a perfect spot where you could like you know the screen would be pretty good sized and like no one was in the way and then someone would throw a trampoline on you and you'd go flying and you'd lose your spot so there was a lot of that but i think uh the fact that i logged in and truly i was like i'm only gonna log in just to check it out and watch maybe the first a little bit of the movie the fact that i actually stayed and watched the entire two hour two and a half hour uh movie is a, a testament to how good that movie is i think um it just it sucked me in I, I have to say yeah and i seem to remember you guys saying that like during some of the more visually spectacular bits like like the 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 rowdy antics going on in the digital crowd kind of ceased where yeah. it's like oh <laughs> joseph gordon levitt's putting people in omoplatas on the ceiling i better watch that <laughs> stuff yeah, so, yeah it was cool so yeah such is the power of cinema but um just like you um the town uh, is a movie that i i remember only in fragments and i only saw it the one time just like you and actually i've been kind of itching to rewatch it because uh my regular co-host kyle uh, he speaks highly of it and he's brought up he's brought it up on numerous episodes uh recently in fact Mm-hmm. Um, and just the timing of this, like, I, I'm thinking I might maybe not pick up this version of it because I've heard some disastrous things about the 4K of this, or, or at least there was a like a, a multi version Blu-ray of it that came out a couple years ago that uh, puts two different versions of the film on one disc, and the bit oh, rate's really? just fucked because of it. Um, yeah, it actually, I went down a rabbit hole, <laughs> like, um, in preparation for our recording right now, um, trying to figure out what, like, the optimal version of the movie is, uh, because there, it seems like there's no perfect release of this movie. Like, they're all flawed in some category, and even, like, the product descriptions, it's like, I don't even know what's in this fucking box. <laughs> like, like I, I really need to, like, do some research before I commit to spending money on this, but... Yeah, I'd like to rewatch the town uh, and soon. But um, moving on, uh, we have a series. Um, I believe this is a first season, if not the entire series. But uh, his dark materials. Are you familiar with this, Brad? Um, very loosely. I know it's based on a novel or a series of novels. Um, and it is the first season. Um, I think they actually just came out with a trailer for season two. I think it's star. It's got James McAvoy, um, Lin Manuel Miranda is in it. A few other notable people. Uh, you know, kind of feels like it came and went. Uh, didn't really have the. You know, I feel like they were hoping this would be their next Game of Thrones HBO, and um, I really don't know anybody who watched it at all. So I uh, haven't heard too many great things about it. 
I mean, HBO's been on the warpath lately with uh, their high-profile releases and their their big business moves as of late. Yeah. Um, this is not included in that as far as no. I know. Um, I barely heard of this. The only reason I brought it up, and uh, folks at home, we aren't going to be covering every single physical media release of the month. It's more, It more comes down to whatever jumps out at us or whatever we have something to say about. And in this case, literally the only reason I brought it up is because there's a fucking polar bear with a helmet on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's kind of fucking cool. It is pretty it cool, It makes me yeah. think of the Golden Compass. Uh, well, which... that's what, actually, That's it is uh, like the same source material, I believe. Oh, okay. Well, that explains so, a lot then. Yeah. And yeah. Um, this, this cast, though, is uh, pretty solid. Um, I love James McAvoy. And Lin Manuel Miranda puts, he carries a lot of clout um, <laughs> for sure. But uh, Daphne Keene is is a big one too. Uh, she was the one that debuted in Logan, and yep. uh, that was a hell of a debut. It's a bilingual and very physical performance uh, for a debuting child star. Um, wouldn't be surprised if she has bigger things on the horizon. But um, yeah, I'm not going to be watching that anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think um, I'm going to pass on that one. Um, but beside that, uh, we have a film that you reviewed on your show, the Cinema Speak podcast, Brad. Uh, that would be what now? Uh, this is Swallow, which um, I was a big fan of this one. Uh, basically, it's kind of about a woman who begins uh, um, progressively swallowing things um, as in sort of like a mental illness sort of way. And she can, begins swallowing more and more dangerous objects and essentially she can't stop. And I, what I liked about this is I was kind of ex- going in expecting it to be just like a schlocky, like, oh, this is like, let's just watch this woman just swallow like grosser and grosser things. But uh, I was surprised at how, you know, like uh, empathetic it was and uh, how moving it was. And uh, as a look at uh, abuse and mental illness, and uh, I was a, a big fan of it. So I probably will pick this one up on Blu-ray, um, probably wait for the price to jump down what's it at right now right now still uh, over 20 bucks so i might wait for this to drop down but i do want to watch it uh before the end of the year because uh got a feeling this could be making my top 10 list if we're uh you know because we're kind of starved for new releases so <laughs> <laughs> yeah very true um yeah based on the description and also your review um i kind of squirreled this away in in the back of my mind as as a movie that i i will watch someday yeah. Um, I don't know when. I'm not exactly rushing out the gate to go see it, but um, I think it's a fascinating concept, and I would I would like to check it out someday. Um, what about this uh, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan series on Amazon? Have you have you checked this out at all, Brad? Uh, no, I'm I'm not. Uh, I don't. You have Amazon Prime, um, and even if I did, I probably wouldn't check it out. Not really any interest, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, was it was it John Krasinski? Uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, he's he seems like a good guy. I like him, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he does literally nothing for me. Um, <laughs> he's not a selling point. I haven't watched a single episode of The Office, so um, maybe that explains it. But um, yeah, I see this advertised all the time, and you know, the, some of those Jack Ryan movies are pretty fucking good. Um, none of which featured him. <laughs> um, like the hunt for red october is a very solid thriller as are you know like patriot games and all that the harrison ford films and whatnot but um yeah th- this is not on my radar at all but um let's check out the first uh, criterion release for the month um so let's skip on down a row to uh the lost honor of katharina bloom um this looks to be 
a German film, at least based on the the uh, translated text there. Um, when a young woman spends the night with an alleged terrorist, her quiet, ordered life falls into ruins. Katharina, though apparently innocent, suddenly becomes a suspect, falling prey to a vicious smear campaign by the police and a ruthless tabloid journalist that tests the limit of her dignity and sanity. Oof. Hmm. Um, from 1975, uh, directed by Volker Schlondorf and Margareth von Trotta. Um, hey, Jürgen Prochnow's in there. Uh, I'll have to tell Kyle. Uh, he's a big Jürgen fan. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, D- das Boot is a... Uh, is very big in in kyle's book Uh, he loves that film he made me watch that film in fact oh yeah i'm glad he did um uh, as far as blind criterion buys go not one that i'm going to be checking out but it's it sounds it sounds depthful at the very least yeah there's a few striking images listed on blu-ray.com like the image under uh audio quality with uh those guys in the masks says uh pretty striking but uh yeah, I don't I don't really know much about this, so yeah, this wouldn't be near the top of my blind buys, but uh I could be convinced. I mean the the plot sounds kind of interesting. Um so if I hear if I hear some more good things about it, maybe I'd be interested in putting it higher on my list for the next Criterion sale, but uh yeah, I don't really know enough about it. All right. Well, Brad, um what what else is jumping out to you here for this first week of August? Um, let's see here. Uh, not a ton, really. There's uh, another TV show kind of down here called The Dispatches from Elsewhere. Uh, I watched the first episode of it, um, and that was it. So I wouldn't give it my strongest recommendation, but, um, I didn't dislike it either. Uh, it's got Sally Field, Jason Siegel, and I think Jason Siegel is the showrunner of it as well. Um, but yeah, there's, uh... Not a ton that I actually know, like, actually what it is in this week, I have to be honest. <laughs> That's fair. Um, same here, actually. Um, we have what appears to be a high-profile anime release, um, a feature film, I believe, uh, Promare. Uh, this is not known to me at all. Uh, the art style is very ultra-modern um, in that, like, the character designs are kind of, like, their proportions are kind of all over the place and the the digital color palette is is very vibrant, very colorful. Um, I don't know if this is actually a big deal, but it's got a Shout Factory disc, so that's a something. Um, the Soul Collector from 2019—that's uh, kind of a cool cover. Uh, it's yeah, striking like the, for the sure. Art, yeah, I can't speak for the quality of the film, but it's just an image of a man looking like he's maybe not in the happiest of places, <laughs> <laughs> but he's um, bathed in red light, and I like the font. Apparently, this is a Shout Factory disc. It must be one of their, you know, they they do partner with a lot of just like lower budget modern releases and put them out occasionally. So I think this is one of those. So it's not like a a testament to its quality, but uh, so at least it's, you know, a a pretty well-known distributor putting it out. Yeah, I mean, that gives them a leg up in terms of getting eyeballs on their film. It doesn't mean it's good, (laughs) but, you know, that's kind of cool, but... Um, the only other one that I'll point out, and by the way, uh, that dispatches from uh, elsewhere. Uh, I guess that answers my question of what happened to Jason Siegel, because um, he was on top of the world for a minute there, and uh, he just kind of flittered away into fairy dished. 
<laughs> yeah, he was busy working on this show. I mean, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't did not want like I kind of was curious to continue with it. It was it's basically if I'm trying to remember uh, these people get roped into this like sort of like. I guess like big uh, game where people are getting clues and uh, you know, it's like this big sort of scavenger hunt that like dozens of people are um, playing essentially. And I think it is based on something that actually happened. Um, And I think they take that game and sort of use it for like a metaphor to find these people trying to find meaning in their lives while they're trying to find the answers to this game sort of thing. So kind of a little bit of a character study within this sort of, you know, unique thing um but uh yeah it's yeah i don't know it have might be your description brad but i'm just gonna put my foot down right now and say i hate this <laughs> <laughs> without knowing anything other than what you've told me brad it's like no that sounds like what what i would call indie schlock <laughs> yeah it did feel like a little indie is, is there a ukulele in it is there a ukulele brad <laughs> no there's one there's one joke in the uh I can't, I can't. I wish I could remember. There is one joke in the first episode that was exactly what you're talking about. I can't remember what it was. Like he walks into a room, and there there was just like something weird in the room, and he just kind of looks at it and is like, "Oh, oh yeah." So yeah, I, <laughs> it's it's in that zone for sure. Okay. Well, the the last thing they'll point out for this first week of August, that would be August fourth, is a uh, Gundam Build Fighters from 2013. <laughs> Um, I'm a huge Gundam fan. Uh, I dump a lot of time and effort into studying the ins and the outs of the lore, the canon of Gundam. <laughs> been a fan since I was a little kid. I've been building the model kits since 1995, and I'm still doing it today because fucking COVID, and I got no place to go, and building fucking plastic robots is a thing to do that keeps you safe and away from people <laughs> um so this show uh has an interesting concept where they it's like a meta series i guess um i've never watched it nor will i nor will i ever probably but anyway the idea is they take the franchise canon and they treat it as i guess a real thing in the in the fiction that the the story takes place in and so it's it's literally a bunch of kids building the same plastic fucking model kits that I do, except for they use them as like um, amiibos or whatever, mm-hmm. and they they fight each other online with their with their custom built plastic models, and you can like mix and match the parts, so you like customize your robot and beat up other robots online, and so it's like esports the TV series. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's encouraging the the youth of Japan to hop online and get that money. <laughs> um anyway uh like i said i probably will never watch it but i do have some of the model kits <laughs> so um you gotta pick on it up. You're, you're a true fan you gotta pick it up come on i am brad but like there's there has to be limits because gundam has been around since 1979 and you know that's a lot of product <laughs> that's far too much for one person to to get their hands on and uh, yeah, I would I would do some serious damage to myself if I tried to bring all that into my home. So yeah. no, there has to be a limit. Um, <laughs> but moving on, uh, we have August 11th. So this would be the second week um, of August. Uh, and right out the gate, we have one that kind of interests me, although not so much anymore. Uh, this would be an MVD uh, release, uh, Split Second from 1992, uh, starring Rutger Hauer. Um, are you familiar with this movie at all, Brad? 
Uh, literally, I just kind of looked up uh, what it is about, and it sounds like it's right up my alley. Um, in a futuristic London, the rising sea levels mean that large areas are under feet of water. Hauer plays a cop, Rucker Hauer, who uh, Rucker Hauer plays a cop who previously lost his partner to some strange creature. Now the creature is back and is after him. I mean, I love movies with water, with creatures. How long is this one? 91 minutes? I mean, this is hitting a lot of my <laughs> sweet spots. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, unfortunately, I saw it a few months ago um, because my brother and I uh, got to talking about um, VHS movie covers. Oh, yeah. Uh, we we were just like swapping stories about like VHS covers. Um, if you have time, Brad, maybe look it up, like the original cover art for this movie, because you'll see what I mean. Like it's one of those covers that it sticks with you. Like if you see it as a child, you're like, oh, I'm I'm seeing that movie. And I never did, so uh, I found it on a streaming service uh, a few months back, and I took it upon myself to watch it, and uh, it's funny, because the whole time I was watching it, I had a lot of suspicions, and I actually made mental notes, like, I think I know what the problem is. And then, sure enough, right after I finished it, I looked up the film, like, some of the details of the production, and yeah, it was an intensely troubled production, and it shows. Um, Unfortunately, the movie just is kind of all over the place in the second half, or at least the last third. Um, <clears throat> it flies right off the rails. The monster design, um, its silhouette is amazing. It looks kind of like Venom, <laughs> like from Spider-Man, yeah. uh, mixed with a little bit of Xenomorph from the Alien films. Um, but yeah, the the movie just kind of like piddles around and doesn't really find its way, and it, it does not stick the landing at all. Uh, the production design is fantastic, though. Um, I th- want to say maybe the f- the fellow from Blade Runner and uh, Super Mario Brothers worked on it. Okay. Um, but it looks gorgeous. It just isn't a gorgeous film. Like, the script is the problem. Well, I, I don't know too much about this, but uh, it is this Blu-ray release does have two cuts of the movie. So Ooh. you might okay. have to pick it up and uh, judge that second cut. I don't know if it's a director's or a producer's cut or what it is exactly, but... I will have to investigate that. Uh, that that is that is a big that's a big big selling point because the movie does have some promise. Uh, it and actually I, I wouldn't like recommend against watching it. You'd still get something out of it. It's just it it doesn't stick the landing is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on, we have uh, the customary I want to say Hammer Horror release for every month. Uh, it seems like they put out one or two of these a month. Um, and this would be The Phantom of the Opera from 1962. This appears to be a Scream Factory disc. Um, more than likely, qu- quality transfer and whatnot. Um, yeah. One of these days, I will have to take a tour through the, the Hammer Horror Museum because I've only seen a handful of their movies, but uh, I like their flavor. Uh, they're, they're, they're good, can't be fun for the most part. Yeah. I need to watch. I can't. I don't even know if I've seen any Hammer horror movies like from the you know the era back then. Um, so I need to definitely check some out. And I was thinking maybe this Halloween, maybe that's what I would do. Maybe I'd try and focus on them. Um, but I don't know if this probably wouldn't be one of my first choices. I don't think. Although uh, I do love the look of the Phantom on the cover there. It's pretty cool. Very unique. Yeah, I'll say that much. Um, and beside that, uh, is this a... Yes, it is a Criterion release. Uh, so this is a box. Uh, the Complete Films of Agnes Varda. Um, this is a director that is not known to me. However, this appears to be a 
a overflowing box of content. Um, yeah. Wh- wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, is this director familiar to you? Not too much. I believe I could be wrong here, um, but I believe she is uh, a documentarian. I think uh, maybe she did some fiction stuff as well. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure she's mostly known for documentaries. Um, and she did have a movie that came out recently in the last couple of years um, that was called, I think it was called Faces Places. And uh, it might have been nominated for an Oscar. Um, oh, yeah, wow. it wasn't nominated for best documentary at the oscars um so i know she got kind of a bit of a resurgence when that movie came out um and i think she has since passed away but uh i i, I want to see some of her films but it's uh probably not gonna be dropping 164 dollars without having seen at least one of her films out of the 39 <laughs> that are included here yeah maybe maybe check one or two out before yeah. you drop that much money but i will say this much that hairdo and that nose that is one of the most french faces i've ever seen in my life (laughs) that is all (laughs) kind of looks like me in high school i gotta be honest (laughs) god damn it brad now i'm gonna have to photoshop that (laughs) i'm gonna have to put that hair on your face (laughs) you're gonna look like the uh oh what the fuck was his name but anyway he was in a uhf uh, he has a skit with Weirdo Yankovic where he cuts off his thumb and uh, bleeds yeah. all over the place, and he had the same hairdo. <laughs> it's pretty great. I forget the comedian's name, but it was a great scene. Um, so beside that, uh, we have a movie that's not known to me, but uh, I love the cover art, or at least the colors of it, because I'm only looking at the thumbnail. I'm not going to blow it up. I'm choosing not to. It says uh, Pandemonium, Thursday the 12th from 1982. Um, hmm. Slasher yeah. movie, you think, or a slasher uh, parody? Think, maybe I think it, it is a like sort of a slasher parody. It's got uh, Carol Kane, uh, Phil Hartman is in there, and I think uh, I've heard someone say Paul Rubens is in it as well. So uh, it's got some interesting uh, performers. I'm kind of curious in that regard. It's a Vinegar Syndrome release, and they usually do a pretty good job. Uh, you you had me sold with Phil Hartman, uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I would I would totally watch that just to see a very young Phil Hartman. Yeah, 1982, um, wow. For real, jeez. Um, what else jumps out at you, Brad? Um, let me see here. We have, um, well, uh, you know, I've never seen it. I don't even know what it's about. We've got, uh, from Warner Archive, we've got Michael starring uh, John Travolta. Only reason I mention it is because I uh, just watched uh, or rewatched Groundhog Day, and I just love Andy McDowell. She's just, she's great. Like, if I was if I was her age when these movies were coming out, I would be just. She would be my number one crush. I think she's she's awesome. She is. Um, she like defines sweetness, and yeah. you have Andy McDowell. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know anything about Michael, so I, I won't be picking it up, uh, but, uh, unless I really get bit by the McDowell bug, but, um, well, Michael was part of that, like very, it, it's not even a wave. It's just like a bump in the road of like pseudo religious John Travolta films where it was like phenomenon in this, where it's mm. like, we don't really have much to say because literally the script consists of just a simple concept and then we're just going to let John Travolta's charm sell the rest of the movie. <laughs> and it's just like, my, it's just John Travolta with extraordinary powers and a, and a weird outlook on life. And you spend two hours of your life just watching that. 
And honestly, it's not the worst thing in the world because I don't know about you, Brad, but I actually find John Travolta to be a engaging performer for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have subjected myself to many of his direct to DVD films <laughs> of of like recent vintage, and uh, for the most part, like he shows the fuck up every time. <laughs> like like even if the movie's terrible, it's like. I like that he tries. Like he tries things, even if he's not successful at it. I like that his. You can see him trying, and that oh, yeah. counts for a lot. He's never boring. He's never boring. Man, the more I talk about John Travolta, the more I realize like I would probably be a really bad parent because <laughs> I'd be way too tolerant of like them underperforming all the time. Yeah, yeah. Hey, at like, least but, you're trying. but he's at trying, least you're trying, honey. <laughs> It's like he doesn't do much well, but but at least he tries. <laughs> uh, so we have one that um, I haven't seen, and it's the only reason I'm really going to bring it up. This would be, I believe, the 45th anniversary edition of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm, uh, which mm-hmm. originally came out in 1975. This is a Blu-ray. Um, Kyle's been kind of nagging at me to, to see this at some point. I think uh, we were hoping to do like a, a horror-themed musical month for October. Um, and I think this fits into the category, so that might be when I finally get around to that. Um, Although, yeah, uh, maybe, I don't know. I mean, obviously you can't do it this year, but I, I just que- I question whether watching it for the first time should be done without, like, you know, the experience of seeing it with a crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I have heard that that helps quite a bit with the with your overall experience of the film. Yeah. Um, Although I don't, I don't do well with crowds, Brad. I don't play well with others, <laughs> and I, uh, I also don't really see comedies in the theater because I, I don't enjoy laughing in public. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a weird thing, but it's how I am. And um, also, I have a bit of that like um, theater snob in me. Well, not snob, but like theater etiquette's important to me because I'm mm, one of those mm-hmm. people that like cradles his phone in his hands even after it's off because for fear that it will vibrate or something and like piss off someone next to me um i i'll never forget going to see uh snakes on a plane in the theater and uh that line came up the trailer line that i'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane that line came up and the audience on the debut night of the film parroted it back at the screen and his (laughs) and samuel l jackson's mouth kept moving and i couldn't hear him because the crowd was saying the line that he just said yeah. So yeah. so there's slightly more to that line that I'm not aware of because of that. And no, I'm not going to watch it again even though it wasn't <laughs> that bad. <laughs> but god damn it. Um but yeah, uh, this week is a little bit flimsy uh, unless you're really into strange uh, French women films. Uh but we have a, a couple of Bolo Young films, Blood Fight and Ironheart, uh, also from MVD. They seem to specialize in schlock from what I can yeah. tell. Yep. Um, a lot of uh, B-grade Van Damme movies are in their catalog. I know that much. Uh, but I haven't seen these Bolo Young uh, headlined films, but I might want to check them out at some point because I've always been told that he's a better performer than, than you generally see um, in most of the movies where he just plays a goon. Like I've, I've heard good things about his physical performances, but usually he's just a presence. He's just giant Chinese dude. Um we have something that's trying way too hard, um, Max Reload and the Nether Blasters. Um, like the color palette, the font, God. everything about it tells me like we are selling this to a very specific crowd 
and it's uh people that play the video games <laughs> of varying yeah. ages um yeah i'm sorry you're trying too hard i can tell that your movie's not as good as your poster and it is actually a pretty good poster from what i can tell and uh oh shit they put will wheaton and kevin smith in it so and greg grunberg <laughs> so they're trying to go for the like nerd street cred. This is so gross. This is I I think I'm gonna throw up. This is gross. <laughs> this oh is... no! They got Martin Cove also, uh, aka the the evil uh, evil instructor from the first Karate Kid movie. Well, the first through the third Karate Kid movies. Uh, it's just like an '80s fest. <laughs> I, would never, I would never watch it. I this uh, see this looks like torture to me. I I yeah. can't this. Oh my gosh! This is hitting on you know the um, split second or whatever it was, mm-hmm. hitting a lot of my sweet spots. This is hitting a lot of my sweat spots. The things I hate. This is not good for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Max Reload. I'm not giving you my money, but uh, the lady kills slash pervertisima. That might get my money like sooner than Max Reload. But yeah, uh, no, I agree. <laughs> I'm getting a similar vibe from a brutal massacre, a comedy. Uh, this appears to, oh I was right um the uh the care all the characters on the cover are caricatures of folks and uh the one on the far right with the the Santa Claus beard I was like is that Gunnar Hansen and it is uh, that oh, would yeah. be yeah. that would be the original Leatherface and uh, apparently Ken Forey is in here as well that would be the gentleman uh from Dawn of the Dead um yeah no you're not getting my money and uh, beside that, uh, we have just ass the movie. This <laughs> 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 is serial killer connection collection. Um, yeah, I don't think this is going to be stocked on any physical shelves, like at your I local Best so. Buy, because that is just butt. <laughs> like that cover art is about thirty three percent ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very, very uh, odd, very odd. It's a, it's serial killer collection, but it looks like it's uh, just one movie, so it's just a collection of. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even. Know. I don't know what it's. I don't know what it says about me, Brad. That like I my eye kind of like navigates beyond the ass cheek and just goes straight to the font, the fonts, because there are numerous fonts on this cover, and it just it hurts me. It hurts my brain and my eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. There's. You know, when you really start looking at uh, all the Blu-ray stuff that comes out, there is a lot of crap. Well, I guess I don't want to judge, but uh, I mean, d- based on the cover, that's uh, that's a pretty horribly designed cover. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not the best, um, but they know what they're doing. They know who yeah. they're selling to. Yeah. Um, also, the uh, the the quality of I'm guessing it's like a JPEG or something they use yeah. is not great. <laughs> no. No, um, no. Sh- shot on a a razor flip phone. <laughs> but, but um, other than that, nothing else jumps out to me for this week. Um, we have how to build a girl. Is that a what's his face's sister on the cover there? Yeah, uh, Jonah Hill's sister, Beanie Feldstein, I believe her name is. Uh, um, I would trust you over me. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything yeah. about this except um. I do know that it was uh, like when COVID was like, you know, really like everything was completely shut down except for essentially like when drive-ins were first starting to reopen. Um, that that along with another movie that looks like it comes out this week, The Wretched, those were both IFC movies that uh, um, got played at drive-ins. And so uh, The Wretched at 
some point was like the number one movie in America for like five straight weeks because it was like the only thing playing at like the seven drive-ins that were open across the U.S. Um, so I guess they're kind of notable for that, but uh, not much else. I forget. Did you cover The Wretched on your show, Brett? Yeah, we did. It was uh, not terrible, not great, pretty generic, I found. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, you know, maybe worth watching if you're a, a horror fan. But there's, you know, a very, very low budget, you know, not anything special. Gotcha. Um, I don't know anything about this How to Build a Girl movie, but I kind of like the cover. It makes me think of uh, Tina Fey's uh, Bossy Pants, uh, the, <laughs> the book. Yeah, and yeah. It's something with like the bowler hat, and she doesn't have the hairy forearms, but it's like it, her arms aren't in the frame, so maybe she has the whole the whole outfit. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. Um, yeah. I don't know anything about it, but also striking cover art: uh, Beyond the Visible, uh, Hilma Auf Auf Klint, um, pub, uh, published and distributed by Zeitgeist Films. Um. The first abstract artist was a woman, misjudged and concealed. Hilma Clint rocks the art world with her mind-blowing oeuvre. Oof! Mm. You have to you have to know your French uh, just to read the back of the box description. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like it's like kind of an art documentary, like not not like art house, like a documentary about an artist. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would, that would be my yeah. guess, unless it's yeah. a fictional story, um, <laughs> in which case uh, I feel kind of dumb. But um, I, I think I, it is a doc. I think I believe it is, um, but I could be wrong too. But I, I'm not about to see it. But I I like the cover. It's, it's yeah. beautiful. I'd hang that on my wall, for real. Um, <laughs> get that lady out of the way, though. <laughs> it's, it's like, that's the artist. It's like, well, I don't want her here. She's ruining the painting. <laughs> uh so uh, let's bounce on, on down to the next week here. That would be August 18th. And uh, right out the gate, uh, we appear to have a 4K limited edition Arrow release. Um, this would be Flash Gordon from 1980. Um, have you seen this one, Brad? Uh, this one I have not seen. Um, it's pretty pretty foreign to me, i got to be honest. I feel like the majority of what I know about Flash Gordon I got from Seth MacFarlane's Ted, unfortunately. So... Uh, that's that's about the extent of my Flash Gordon knowledge and the song, obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously, but yeah. um, yeah, um, it's I think it's good that you bring up Ted because I feel like that's that's where a lot of people probably first experience this film. I haven't seen it front to back, just a few select scenes because um, I used to work with a fellow or work for a fellow that uh, was kind of an enthusiastic fan of this movie. Um, he really liked Brian Blessed in this movie. Because uh, Brian Blessed has like a, he looks like a He-Man character. He's got like golden wings and like a Viking helmet. And there's a scene where he screams, "Die!" <laughs> <laughs> and Brian Blessed, like if you're gonna have him in your cast, just you need to make him jolly and yelling all the time. And that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I mean, Vax von Sydow and Timothy Dalton. That's kind of a big deal for me personally. Um, I would really like to see this someday. Um, and holy shit, have you have you like taken a look at the picture of like this box set? Yeah, it's pretty extensive. It's pretty cool. It's pretty spectacular. Um, I'm not about to pony up the cash for like the super duper special edition for a you know a classic film that I don't know much about other than the same things you do basically. Um, but yeah, I would really like to see it someday. 
Um, yeah, I love Arrow's uh, releases. They're always great. But uh, I have to say, now that they're getting into the 4K game, just looking at my 4K shelf, I don't think I'd want one of their giant boxes mixed in with my 4K. My 4K collection isn't big enough to have like a big blemish like that in it. Like right now, I'm I'm t- like obsessive with keeping it where I almost all of my releases have slip covers. I've even stopped buying steel books, even though I still got a few of those in there. Um, keep me up at night, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't think I'd want this uh, big one on my shelf. But I think you can. Uh, if I really wanted this, I could. It's got like a individual 4K case in the slip box, I believe it looks like. So I could just take the slip box uh, and put it away in a closet, and then you know I'd have it if I wanted it, but it wouldn't be sitting on my shelf. Yeah, there's there's three listings also. There's the Super Duper Limited Edition, the Standard Edition, and like a two-disc limited edition. So mm-hmm. you could just get the standard one and you know, call it a day. Yeah. Um, which should you know, probably be the, the wise choice in this case. But um, speaking of Super Duper Special Editions, though, giant boxes and whatnot, uh, we have one that I thought about getting until, you know, COVID like kind of put manufacturing down the shitter. Um, that would be Gamera, the complete collection, 1965 to 2006. Um, as far as I understand, this is very hard to find right now, and uh, all the all the uh, people that gobbled it up when it first debuted uh, only a few weeks ago um, are like selling it on eBay for just insane prices and stuff. Wow. Yeah, um, but yeah, this is something that I would very much like to own someday. Uh, the Gamera movies are. They're like the the first iteration of the character is is just pure joy, like it's just like childish goofy joy. Um, the monster battles, like the choreography, is just absolute batshit crazy, but very inventive and colorful and fun. Um, but like I told you, uh, I think the last time we talked on one of these shows, um, the '90s trilogy, uh, the Gamera films from the '90s, were extraordinarily good. Um, maybe the best example of their genre. Um, I own shitty Mill Creek Blu-rays of them right now, (laughs) as well as bootleg DVDs that I got back in high school. But um, mm, upgrading to an Arrow disc someday is something that I would like to do, but um, not until they start making more of these and the price goes down, because as far as I know, it's pretty pricey right now. When the price gets to where you know it's supposed to be, when they get more in stock, I if you if you're a fan and you got those Mill Creek Blu-rays, just just go out. You know what? You've earned it, man. Just buy it. You know what I'm saying? Like you only live <laughs> once. Yeah, I hear you, Brad. And I'd, it would probably make you happy if like I posted a video of me smashing those discs over my knee or something <laughs> too, because <laughs> I know you're not a fan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could sell them and get maybe like 33 cents altogether for them uh, if you want and then put it towards uh, this collection, but uh, either way. <laughs> Should approach the Arrow office and just like hand them my Mill Creek discs and be like, hey, yeah. can I trade these? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Mill Creek buyback program. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. uh, so... Right next to all that, uh, we have um, the customary uh, Warner Brothers animated straight-to-video film, uh, Deathstroke, Knights and Dragons, um, featuring everybody's favorite uh, hitman of indeterminate strength, um, because we can't decide if he's superhuman or just 
a kind of strong guy. <laughs> I don't know if you read comic books at all, Brad, but uh, Deathstroke is a... He's everybody's favorite character because he looks cool and whatnot, but um, sometimes the writers take advantage of that, and they're like, oh, Deathstroke's my favorite. He's going to be able to beat up the whole Justice League all by himself. But oh, then you yeah. like put him in the hands of a writer who is kind of like ambivalent towards him, and all of a sudden he's just a total chump. <laughs> but um, I used to watch these like all the time when they first started making these. Um, but you know, after like one every six months for like a decade plus, at some point, just like the Gundam habit, something's got to give. Like, yeah. <laughs> like so, so I walked away from uh, the DC animated universe um, a long time ago. So not gonna be bothering with this. Also, yeah. I hate that the cover art is always radically different from the actual animated product. Yeah, it's I was such, just looking it's at such some a images, bait and yeah. switch. Such yeah. a bait and switch. I, I I would think you'd get a lot of. I mean, I've seen these things in like Targets and Best Buys. I feel like you'd get a lot of like, you know, Aunt Sally's picking this up for their. Well, I guess they wouldn't watch it themselves. So maybe yeah, maybe you wouldn't have any issues, or maybe like you know, maybe your uncle uh, Uncle Barry might pick it up, and he might be like, oh, I love superhero movies, and then he pops it in, and he goes, this is this is a cartoon. What is this? <laughs> Be more like this, be more like this looks like crap. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna take it back to the Mill Creek factory. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> sir, this is not a Mill Creek disc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and beside that, we have yet another Hammer uh, horror film. This would be Frank Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. Uh, this is the one with the Frankenstein in a gorilla suit or a Sasquatch suit. Um, that's literally all I know about that one. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like the cover. Bat- it, the cover reminds me of those uh, scary stories to tell in the dark uh, illustrations. I, I kind of dig it. Yeah, actually, now you mentioned it, it has like kind of that like uh, almost like charcoal pencil kind of look to it, and like yeah. even the the color palette how it's kind of monochrome. Yeah, yeah, it it does give me that vibe. Um, speaking of which, how was that movie? Uh, the movie it, it had its moments. Uh, I I feel like I remember like. You know, it kind of tried to get into a little bit of the Stranger Things, you know, kids in the 80s on a mission sort of vibe. But, uh, like, the individual creatures, like, when those popped up, I thought they were pretty well done and effective. But a lot of this stuff, kind of stitching them together, wasn't the greatest. So it's worth checking out. It had its moments, but um, not amazing. Gotcha. I, I think I listened to your episode on that, and that was the kind of the vibe i got it was it's like, yeah eh, it's, it's all right <laughs> i did pick it up on uh, 4k though i think it would drop to like 1295 or something so I, I did pick it up so i might might revisit it this halloween maybe it's like how good was it mm, 1295 good <laughs> that's, my, that's my price point that's my price point. <laughs> uh so we have batwoman the complete first season i want to say this is a first and last kind of situation um well unless kind of uh they did because the the actress quit um but they did recast her for another like season i don't know if they're going to call it batwoman season two or if it's going to be batwoman colon like it's going to be a new separate sort of thing just batwoman i don't know but uh it's the last one with the actress ruby rose i want to say is her name yeah Um, you got it yeah who uh i don't watch these uh cw superhero shows but uh i like her i like ruby rose uh everybody does brad (laughs) um although uh, she seems to be a case of like her uh 
she fell off the momentum train i want to say uh train that is uh because she was having a moment um the past couple years Uh, she was getting all the big roles in all the big movies and like apparently her big breakout thing was orange is the new black or something like that Mm -hmm. and she was just popping up in all these big movies like she's in like the last resident evil i think she's in the meg i think she's in like the second triple x movie she's just like in all these big mainstream movies um and then she did batwoman and as far as i can tell most people didn't like batwoman Mm -hmm. um and now she's doing direct-to-video movies with john renault next month so hmm (laughs) it it happens but uh I mean, seems like she's a good actress, but um, this Batwoman thing seems to be a little bit in limbo because of the HBO and Warner Brothers uh, situation. With uh, that's true too, yeah. Well, the I I always forget this that uh, the DC like cinematic universe or whatever has its own dedicated app, like it's its own subscription service because apparently on the sly they've been cranking out. Uh, live action tv series or straight to streaming series of like all of their superhero shows and whatnot and it's only for like the hardcore fans and whatnot yeah and i guess you know hbo and and warner brothers kind of said you know that's great and all but like we're not in the business of making nerds happy we're in the business of making money so (laughs) as far as i understand they're killing that service and like the the scraps like the like the the best gems that kind of bubble to the surface or whatever might get put back out there. So like doom patrol apparently is doing pretty well. Um, yeah. I actually would totally watch that because Timothy Dalton and Brendan Fraser in a D- in a DC comics TV series. Fuck yes. I would watch that. But um, apparently that service is being closed down. And um, like you said, Batwoman, it sounds like it's, it's like a, we're either going to radically restructure this or it's going in the trash bin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I believe Doom Patrol, I think you can now watch it on HBO Max, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <sighs> HBO and Warner Brothers are, like, I think I told you this on, like, Twitter or whatever, but, um, wow, they are, they're coming out swinging. Like, yeah. like uh, they're making some power plays right now. It's kind of scary, like, how much shit they have, like, to offer the public right now. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you look at the HBO Max, their collection of their movie library, they've got so many, like, They've got the whole Turner Classic Movies collection with, like, tons of Warner Brothers films, like, you know, genuine classics. And you look at something like Netflix, it's all, like, recent modern stuff. So I definitely think there's a lot of great stuff on the HBO Max app. But um, their their branding was very confusing, how they had HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO Max. I mean, it it didn't really matter to me because I was already subscribed to HBO and it just automatically updated. But... If I wasn't already subscribed, I wouldn't know what the hell was going on with all that. So I think that hurt them quite a bit because if if they could have straightened that out, I think they could have come out really swinging hard. Um, and I, they, I mean, they still have out. all the HBO stuff, so they still still are very strong, I would say. No, I think it's going to even out. Um, I mean, they even got me considering getting an HBO subscription just because like, I've been tracking this shit for a few weeks now and it's like it kind of insane like how much they have like on the like on their slate right now it's like holy shit like there's a lot coming to hbo and 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 through the warner system and whatnot 
Um, and I'm not going to lie, Brad, I did the exact same thing as you. Like I, I pretty much had to Google, like, what the fuck is the difference between all these HBOs? Because <laughs> like, yeah. if I do end up giving them my money, I'm not going to give them more than I have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will say, be careful when you sign up for HBO, though, because they're really good at this. HBO, um, like the HBO channel, they do such a good job that they always have at least one show that is buzzworthy that is people are talking about that and you think okay i finished this show i'll unsubscribe and then it's like oh no there's this you know they've got this uh documentary about that uh cult with the chick from smallville and it's like i you know i kind of want to check that out actually it does sound and they just they keep you hooked in i i think i signed up for the last season of the leftovers three years ago and i haven't done subscribe since (laughs) they got me they got me (laughs) They fucking got Brad. They're not yeah. going to get me. Hundreds <laughs> of dollars later, they got me. Uh, so um, moving right along, though, uh, we have The Outpost from 2020. The only reason I bring it up, this is an Afghan war film uh, featuring uh, that guy who looks like an Eastwood. <gasps> Holy shit, he's an Eastwood. <laughs> um, I I find him like to be a nothing actor for the most part. Um he's he is not his father in terms of screen presence but um i've actually heard this movie's not bad um i would watch if if it was free i'm not about to pay money to watch it but um the cover art's terrible um even the plot description is bare bones but um i i read up on it a little bit and it sounded like it was not bad so if it's free maybe someday um cursed films from uh shutter uh have you watched this series brad uh, not only have I watched it, I can also say that I have actually purchased this Blu-ray. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the show. Um, part of the reason I had heard about it originally is the director is a co-host on uh, Film Junk, which is a podcast that I really enjoy. And um, it's really good. It's uh, you know It looks at the curses behind Poltergeist, The Omen, The Exorcist, uh, The Crow, and Twilight Zone, The Movie. And all the sort of like bad things that happened on the set, and it's you know you you think like it could be done in poor taste, looking at these tragedies and like cursed films, but it actually kind of uses that title ironically, and it kind of like by the end of the series, you kind of get to the conclusion that these aren't just these aren't curses, this is just terrible things that have happened, so you know if you're looking for like the e true Hollywood story of like all the creepy things that happened on the set of the exorcist this might be a disappointment to you but if you're looking for something maybe a little more interesting and introspective uh it's it's very good very very worth checking out the poltergeist episode is amazing yeah um that whole franchise apparently had problems um that's actually i would totally watch this um the only thing that keeps me from just like blind buying it I, i don't have shutter um the only thing that would keep me from blind buying is that I kind of did a lot of the legwork of the research um, for this, like just naturally over the course of my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one of these that's a total mystery to me is the Omen. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about the production history of those films, but all the other ones are pretty familiar to me. Well, I, I would say it's still worth checking out. Maybe not necessarily blind buying, but it's still worth checking out, even if you know all about it, because. Like I said, it's not like just like a bullet point list of, oh, here's a creepy thing that happened. Here's a cursed thing that happened. It goes off onto some sort of tangents, which, uh, you know, some people I think I've read aren't huge fans of, but I think are 
kind of interesting. Like um, they uh, like for the Exorcist episode, they go and film a quote unquote real life exorcism and highlight how so many of the cliches that were established in the uh, movie The Exorcist have like sustained have been so ingrained in our culture that these real life exorcists are borrowing from that movie essentially um and uh yeah it's 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 interesting it's it's good and only half hour episodes so it's a nice easy watch i i enjoyed it quite a bit Ooh, half hour that hmm, i might check that out it's tempting it's tempting yeah i i will i will renew my shutter subscription the moment they have like some sort of killer program that they they have like something that i gotta see um so it'll, it'll happen eventually um, yeah, you'll get around to it. I, don't, don't rush I, yourself, but you'll get around to it. I'm kind of weird when it comes to subscription services. I I don't do like a year or whatever. I do like a month, and then I'm out. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I used yeah. to have my uh, my annual um, wrestling month where I'd get, I'd get the WWE uh, subscription uh, for WrestleMania each year, and April was just like, okay, all we're doing is watching wrestling for for the month of April, and then I'd cancel it until next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but beside that, we have a Criterion release, um, which has a kind of a fun cast. Uh, this would be The Comfort of Strangers from 1990, uh, featuring Rupert Everett, Helen Mirren, and Christopher Walken. Uh, Rupert Everett before My Best Friend's Wedding. Um, man, he was like the talk of the town when that movie came out. He was the oh, guy. Yeah. And then he kind of fiddled away into fairy dish. <laughs> yeah, somebody didn't say a little prayer for his career, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Good one, Brad. Um, we have a Arrow release of Pitch Black, which I believe you said on your show um, you have not seen but would like to. Yep, and uh, just this is, I believe, uh, at least for North America, um, is uh, Blu-ray only this month, and I believe next month is when the 4K for this comes out i don't know why there's a separation there but the 4k is coming gotcha i don't know man the 4k might be a detriment to this film in some ways because it was as far as i know pretty low budget um yeah so a lot of the special effects and whatnot they're 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 present like they're on full display for certain scenes in the film but um they make quite a liberal use of darkness and shadows um because they did not have the most money to work with Uh, i saw it in the theater wasn't bad um, we have the second season of The Terror, uh, Infamy. Um, Kyle, um, my regular co-host, he watched the first season of this, and he, he was really into it. He said he really liked it. The I don't know second about season, the second one, though. Uh, second season, I would say, is a big drop-off from the first, oh. unfortunately. And I think it's, from what I've seen, that's pretty much the consensus across the board. So, uh, yeah, the first season is really good, though. Okay. Well, I'll... I don't know if Kyle's watched the second one yet, but I'll have to get his opinion if he did. Um, we have a bunch of re-releases of much older films. Uh, we have another Criterion, Town Bloody Hall from 1979. Uh, this one is not known to me. Do you know this one, Brad? I believe it is actually just some sort of like stage debate or something, and it's a documentary uh, chronicling that. Uh, let's see. Filmmakers D.A. Pennebaker and... Chris Hedges document a debate between Norman Mailer and four feminists. Whoa! So, yeah. Um, so could be very uh, timely uh, in its release, but uh, might not be the most exciting film. But I'm sure there's uh, some quality discussion in there. 
Um, this uh, Prevenge from 2016, uh, it, it has that very desperate uh, certified fresh sticker slapped on the cover there. Um, are you, do you know this one, Brad? The only thing I know about it is uh, I think I believe the director, Alice Lowe, um, and maybe this isn't giving her enough credit, but I believe she is somehow connected to Ben Wheatley. They might be married, um, or she was in one of his movies. I'm not sure. She's been in a few of his movies. I think they are married. Um, maybe not. I don't know. But Ben Wheatley, uh, who directed Kill List, which is one of my favorites. I, I love that movie, and uh, he did... Um, Oh, what's that one that you guys talked about? Free Fire. Um, yes. So I, I, I like him, um, and I don't know. That's the extent that I know about this, so I don't know if it's kind of got a similar style to some of his stuff because she has a connection to him, but um, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind checking it out at some point. I mean, it's written, directed, and starring, um, so apparently, apparently this meant something to her. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that certified fresh sticker, I I do make fun of movies that put that on their cover because to me it is like, we don't have a a, a really obvious way to market this. Um, I mean Alice Lowe isn't exactly a household name, um, so let's just put the big fucking tomato on the cover and hope that that means something to somebody. <laughs> I gotta um, say that but, if I was a a business executive, I'd be slapping that on every movie that gets it. I, I bet you I bet you that sells quite a few movies that it otherwise wouldn't. Well, I mean, there's there's plenty of folks out there that like make make movie purchases at like a Best Buy or something part of like their daily or or weekly routine, like just like yeah. you know heading up and down the aisles and just like grabbing what whatever jumps out at them. It's it's not so much a matter of like curating a collection. It's just kind of like well. It's that time of the day where I get that thing. <laughs> it's like, may as well have tomatoes on it. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget the time I was in Best Buy and this older couple. At, this was years ago. It would have been like, you know, early to mid 2000s. Um, this cu- older couple asked a Best Buy employee. They, they said, what are the new releases out this week? Because we always buy a new release every week. And uh, he was like, it's uh there were two movies one was that video game horror movie called stay alive and the other one was i believe a gymnastics movie called stick it or stuck it or something like that yeah yeah and he was like yeah those are the only two uh new releases this week and they were just like they were like looking at them both and they were like what are we gonna do we don't want (laughs) either of these uh well speaking from experience i hope they got stick it um i believe they did and that's at least what the best buy employee was pushing on them yeah, Stay Alive, I had the misfortune of seeing in the theater. And aside from the spirit, uh, the Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller uh, joint, um, Stay Alive might be the worst film I've seen in the theater. <laughs> um, star- well, co-starring, not even headlined by, but co-starring Frankie Muniz. Yeah, oh yeah. In like a PG-13 video game themed horror film. Um, I-, I own it on DVD. I own it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I... Man, I, I still give my friend shit for that um, because yeah. he, you know, he was he was on a date with a gal and he was like, oh, "Take her to see a horror movie," and I was like, "You want to see Frankie Muniz in a fucking horror movie? <laughs> just just so you can like go on a date and you need me to come along with you for some reason?" God damn it! Oh, that <laughs> well, sounds like a story right there. It's not much of a story, but I, I'll never forget it just because I don't see that many movies in the theater. Like contrary yeah. to what you might think about me, but um. 
that was one of them. Wow. <laughs> and unfortunately, because because I have fewer experiences in the theater, I will never forget that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so moving right along, though, uh, this is a shitty movie that I watched only a few days ago. Uh, I Am Vengeance, colon, Retaliation, from 2020, starring Stu Bennett, a.k.a. Wade Barrett from WWF slash WWE. Uh, I believe he just came back to wrestling, actually. Um, and Vinnie Jones. Uh, I watched both of these movies. There's two of them. It's a series, Brad. Um, so oh, wow. it's I Am Vengeance and I Am Vengeance Retaliation. Uh, and yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> uh, the first one is tragically low budget, like to the extent that like there was a scene where there's a, a, a gunfight in a, in a house. And uh, there was a bullet impact on one of the walls in the background. And it, you could like see... You could, like, see, like, you know when you're, like, fiddling around in, like, a photo editor or something and you, like, miss a couple of pixels of something that you're trying to cut out? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, you try to cut out something that has rounded edges and there's, like, some of those jagged, like, rectangular pixels on the on the periphery of it? Yeah. Yeah, just this black spot appeared and didn't appear to be moving in sync with the camera in the editor. And I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I remember it was, like, the first 10 or 15 minutes of the movie and as soon as that bullet went... I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, is that the kind of movie I just put in my fucking Blu-ray player? Fuck. Um, yeah. It's not the worst thing in the world. Um, and actually, it has a charm to it, like, like given how low budget it is. Like, seeing that it's like, you know, if I really committed to it, I could fucking make this. <laughs> um, the sequel's a half step up. Uh largely the reason why i wanted to see the sequel is that john paul Lai is in it he's a up-and-coming stunt person uh he's i think i told you before uh he's in like hobbs and shaw uh during the the uh, fingerprint scanner uh fight scene yeah uh, he just he gets kicked by jason statham he doesn't do anything monumental in it but he's in it he gets to do exactly one thing in the last 10 minutes in the movie he says like one line in the movie so i was very upset about that um, and they even had like a top tier choreographer Tim Mann work on it. He's like Scott Adkins's uh, uh, dedicated choreography these days. Um, but the sad truth of the matter is, um, choreographing good martial arts sequences, um, most of it comes down to time. And when you're working on a very low budget film, usually you don't have time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Saban Entertainment, uh, the folks that gave us Power Rangers and whatnot, seem to have the uh, uh, middle-aged dude action genre like they have that market cornered like yeah they, yeah. they had a john travolta direct a video movie not that long ago called i am wrath so i am vengeance and i am wrath <laughs> both saban pictures i think the uh antonio banderas movie where he takes a vow of silence and beats all sorts of ass is also a saban film so yeah it's like old dudes hitting people movies <laughs> on a budget <laughs> like that's your that's thing their man they got it uh yeah that's my thing unfortunately Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um balls to you brad uh what what else is jumping out at you here uh gotta be honest not a ton else this week um there's a matthew broderick film called called out on a limb uh i've never heard of this one um but uh, uh, I do like Matthew Broderick. It uh, reunites Matthew Broderick with Jeffrey Jones, also featuring a very young John C. Riley. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, never heard of that one though. 
Um, wow, it's, he gets mixed up in a kidnapping and loses his wallet. He's got to attempt to re- retrieve his wallet and save his sister from some uh, backwoods brothers. This actually doesn't sound that bad. I, I sounds like it could be kind of fun. <laughs> uh, this barge people movie, the cover art's kind of fun. Like I, I could see myself renting this if it was if it was the '90s and I was a kid. Um, these mm-hmm. days it just looks kind of sad and trying too hard, but um, I kind of like the design of the creature thing. Yeah, and apparently it's satisfyingly gory, according to the um, quote on the uh, front cover. <laughs> satisfyingly <laughs> Adequate entertainment. <laughs> according to Starburst magazine, it is satisfyingly gory. Oh, well, they're the most reputable of sources. Um, and I'm a gorehound, so I'm, yeah, it's, it's, that's worth something at least. Yeah, you let me know how Barge People is. I'll let you know how I Am Vengeance <laughs> 3 turns out. <laughs> all right, all right, will do, will do. Uh, we have something called Notzilla, which I've seen advertised on my Twitter feed quite a bit recently um, because I follow a lot of people that are into uh, rubbery giant Japanese monster movies. Um, sorry, I'm not going to be watching this. I'm, it gives me the same vibe that uh, that video game movie gave me. Just mm, trying yeah. too hard. Um I'm sure it's fun for the people who made it, but for me, it's like it. It's easier to make me. I can enjoy like bad action a lot easier than I can bad humor. Um, like if if you fail at making me laugh, then you actually upset me. If you if you fail at taking a bump, at least you took a bump. You know, <laughs> like at least I can praise you for that. Um, yeah, I I kind of feel the same way. Yeah, bad comedy is real rough. It's rough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing else really jumps out at me for that week. So let's uh, let's move on to the uh, the final week of August 2020. Um, that would be August 25th. And uh, Brad, do you wanna wanna kick us off here? Well, uh, first thing to pop up here, it's a uh, Scream Factory Collector's Edition of Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, um, which I have not seen. I don't know too much about it, but I uh, it's Scream Factory release, Collector's Edition. I might be picking it up, although picture quality, only 3.5 out of 5. Not, you know, moving my dial very much there. But uh, is this, uh, do you know, is this like an anthology film, I'm assuming? It is. Okay. Um, I do love those, it, so. I do too, actually. Um, that's something I've been kind of like kicking around for a while now for the show is like an anthology month. Um, for some reason, horror um, seems to be the the most populated genre when it comes to anthology films yeah and yeah uh, i i really like horror anthology movies um necronomicon was one that used to get screened uh, very late at night on like hbo when i was pretty young and uh it's not the best or anything but at the time it was like kind of what i wanted and um creep show of course is excellent uh second one not quite so much but uh that the, the the barge the raft sequence Oof, um, yeah, that well, still gives me nightmares. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about these anthology films is like, even if, you know, if there's five of them, even if four of them are pretty bad, if there's one that's at least pretty good, it kind of is like, you know, it's not a total wash. So I think that, you know, there there's a low uh, bar to make it worthwhile. It's just, you just got to have one of them be good. So if there's more than one that's good, then that's that's even better. Yeah, um, it's funny, too, because I feel like a lot of horror anthologies, um, they're more centered around—it might just be because of the era that they're coming out, but it seems like they're more centered on the idea of fun rather than, like, outright scares. 
Yeah. Like they're all kind of tongue in cheek for the most part. I don't know how things are these days. Um, I, I don't really have my finger to the pulse of horror as much as I used to. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only big ones recently that I can think of are the VHS ones. Um, and I, I did enjoy the first two, VHS 1 and 2. And those ones were a little more serious than... Uh, like, they, they did have their more campy segments, but in the first one, there is a very, very creepy uh, segment directed by Ty West, who did uh, The House of the Devil and The Innkeepers, and I, I like his style a lot, and his his segment in that one was my favorite. Very, very, you know, underplayed, subdued kind of thing, but uh, it was good. Yeah, uh, Kyle speaks very highly of uh, House of the Devil. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like that film a lot. Um, but yeah, Tales from the Dark Side is, it's not the best of like horror anthologies, but it's, it's adequate for sure. Um, some of the, some of the makeup effects and whatnot are a lot of fun. Um, I would, I would encourage you to check it out. Yeah. It might be a good Halloween watch. I might pick it up in time for, uh, October. And if I get it before Halloween, I'm still guaranteed that slipcover from Scream Factory. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Folks at home, that's something that's very important to Brad and his collection. <laughs> Um, apparently what they, how many copies or, or like how long do they uh, put out the slip covers? You're guaranteed for three months after the release. Uh, okay. you're at least if you buy it directly from them now, Walmart might throw out, just take the slip cover and throw it away. Not, not guaranteed it from everybody, but usually Amazon, Best Buy, they'll leave the slip cover on. So you're usually safe there as well. Gotcha. Well, make sure to note that, folks, if you're if you're in the market for slipcovers. Um, <laughs> these uh these two 4K releases. Um, are these ones known to you, Brad? Uh, I don't know them very much. We have the House by the Cemetery and the New York Ripper. Uh, both of them are Blue Underground, and really the only reason I know them is they're uh, Lucio Fulci, um, who is a, a fairly well-known uh, Italian genre filmmaker. Um. Like, I believe, didn't, I want to say he did The Beyond. Zombie um, 2. Zombie 2. Was uh, City City of the Living Dead, was that him too? Uh, it might be, I'm not sure. Yeah, it looks like he at least wrote it. Um, let's see, did, he did uh, Don't Torture a Duckling, which I've heard good things about. Um, yeah, City of the Living Dead he did, The Beyond. Uh He's the king of eye trauma. Um, if you if yeah. he needs a title, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've actually never seen any of his films, so I'm kind of curious to jump in. Um, and uh, I do kind of want to pick up these releases from Blue Underground. They are pretty expensive, uh, and Blue Underground actually already came out with Maniac and uh, Zombie Zombie Two. Um, I, I believe that was Blue Underground that did both of those. So I would probably be more inclined to pick up those before these two. But, uh, I mean, we're looking at 5 out of 5 4K picture quality here on Blu-ray.com. So. Yeah, um, I don't know Blue Underground. Are they fairly new or something? I don't know if they're new, but, yeah, I feel like I've only in the last year or so heard a lot about them. I don't have any Blue Underground releases Um but uh, yeah, I've I've heard good things about them. But uh, yeah, I've never actually bought anything from them myself. Yeah, it looks like uh, this last week of August is is the uh, is the horror week, um, and like the uh, the indie distributor week, um, because we have two blue underground 4K discs, and then a whole shit ton of Severin 
uh, films discs who uh, um, seem to be putting out a lot of like mm, not exclusively giallo type films but a lot of kind of like hidden gem horror films um, yeah. Yeah. as far as I know they, they kind of got started fairly recently and their output has really increased in the past couple of months here but um, we have The Beast Must Die from them we also have Demonia, Enigma and then a Fulci for fake uh so a, a documentary or a, a biopic about lucio fulci so apparently it's his week uh the, yeah the end I think of august did, uh, is fulci i think he did demonia too i think I you're right say. so so yeah august 25th is fulci day man <laughs> this guy's estate is raking it in <laughs> yeah for real um the king of staten island uh, this is the judd apatow uh film correct yeah, haven't gotten around to checking this one out, but uh, I'm sure I will at some point. Uh, Got to be honest, I'm not a big Pete Davidson fan, um, but uh, I do generally like Judd Apatow's films, even though they're always way too long. <laughs> this is true. Um, Pete, I'm not going to lie. Pete Davidson is a non-entity to me. Uh, I know nothing about the guy other than uh, he, apparently the ladies really like him. <laughs> I guess so, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, Apparently, other comedians like him. I don't know if that means he's funny, um, but apparently, he's very well liked in his social circle. But uh, yeah, I have never seen his comedy. Apparently, he had a tenure on Saturday Night Live. He may even still be there. I don't know I anything about the guy. Yeah. Um, but it seems like he's poised uh, for a big push, though, because this got some fanfare when it came out. Um, and then he's in. Uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad, The Suicide That's Squad. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I expect to see a lot more of him going forward because it's it's like almost a law where like some sort of SNL person has to be at the forefront of like media for for five minutes at a time. If yeah. there's no if there's no one, then there will be someone. <laughs> so it may as well be you, Pete. You're tall well, and, and awkward looking. <laughs> yeah. You look at Judd Apatow, and he's uh, pretty good at uh, picking out sort of on-the-rise comedians and helping launch their careers in a way. Maybe not launch, but like, uh, you know, you had Steve Carell with 40-Year-Old Virgin, um, Seth Rogen with Knocked Up, uh, Amy Schumer with Trainwreck to a certain extent, and uh, now we'll see what happens with Pete Davidson, but uh, King of Staten Island, we'll see if Judd Apatow can make him a star. Yeah, Judd Apatow. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because it, it it actually occurred to me that it's like yeah he uh he's very good at fostering talent. Um, yeah. it seems to be like he has that kind of mentality about like I don't know like pay it forward kind of. Um, because yeah, it seems like he's good at maintaining long term relationships. Because I mean, was it James Franco and Seth Rogen? Like freaks and geeks from way back when he yeah. has kept in touch, and you know they've all worked together and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I, I've totally expect to see pete davidson all over the place and i probably won't see any of it except for the suicide squad because i'm actually very i'm very curious how that's going to turn out because that's yeah, a very too. curious production yeah. um but moving right along we have another uh blue a uh, criterion release uh tony um from 1935 wow this is a much older release uh, italian immigrant antonio canova becomes entangled in relationships with his landlady and the young hot-blooded spaniard josefina <laughs> as josefina's life disintegrates through oh it gets dirty <laughs> yeah. it's it sounds it's rough yeah <laughs> that's enough of that oh it sounds rough 1935 rough so that yeah. like 
you know, it obviously must be a an important film for the time, and I'm I'm sure it's great, but like you really like you know you really got to be committed to watching this like it's 1935 it's a foreign film and with that plot synopsis like it's like it it feels like if you're gonna sit down and watch this like that is like work you know you're not just gonna sit down and crack open a bag of chips uh pop open some dip have a mountain dew like this is like you gotta really it's it's a dedication to watch something like this i feel like (laughs) it's like not that i'm saying people shouldn't but it's just like it's yeah you'd have to be in a certain mindset i feel like yeah i mean i'm just picturing someone asking like it's like oh what are you gonna do with this weekend i'm gonna go home and like play Fortnite with the guys and whatnot how about you brad it's like well i'm gonna go home and watch a criterion from 1935 about rape it's like yeah okay (laughs) that that not specifically with that situ like with that answer but that situation happens a lot to me at work where i essentially just lie about what i'm doing in the weekend i mean it's you know a lot of times people ask me what i've been doing it's like i i don't think i've ever straight up answered well i built some plastic robots and watched yeah. i am vengeance retaliation <laughs> yep, yep yeah so yeah white lies are important or not even lies just like sometimes it's best just not to share <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna be like oh yeah i'm gonna go home and uh, watch a terrence malick movie and then they'll be like who's terrence malick and then you just you don't want to go down that road it's just too too much too much to explain here that much work. Uh, take a seat <laughs> <laughs> come here <laughs> uh yeah. so um, what do you got, Brad? What anything jumping out at you? Um, or is that it? <laughs> I mean, uh, Deep Blue Sea three. I didn't even know there was a Deep Blue Sea two, but uh, gotta gotta say I got a little bit of interest in this uh, just because I'm a big fan of uh, these sort of shark movies. Um, not I, that I think it will be any good, but I would totally watch it. Um, I have yeah. seen the first film and obscene number of times. Um, like you, I didn't know there was a two. Um, so now that I know there's a two and a three, it's like, I mean, I've watched what five or I've only watched five Tremors films. There are now seven as far as I know. Yeah. Um, I just saw, I think one comes out on Blu-ray like next month or something. Um, yes. Yes. Now, <laughs> okay. I know I've seen, there was the prequel, then they had a long break and then there was one with Seth, uh, Green. The first one mm-hmm. was Seth Green. I don't know if he's in any others. So am I, I saw that one. Am I two behind or am I only one behind right now? Uh, I want to say you are two or three behind because Jamie, oh, Ken- Jamie Kennedy shows up in Africa. Oh, maybe and- maybe it's Jamie Kennedy. Am I getting them confused, Seth Green and Jamie Kennedy? They, or? they, they had the same damn haircut in the 90s. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, you you may have you may be on the same page as I am. Uh, okay. Because yeah. the the only two that I haven't seen are the one that hasn't come out yet, and apparently one that takes place in the snow. Um, I'm just uh, the one that comes out. Uh, oh, I guess it comes out in October. But uh, Tremors Shrieker Island. <laughs> with mark I, your calendars, folks. <laughs> I, with uh, you know, obviously Michael Gross and. John Heater, uh, Napoleon Dynamite himself. I mean, that answers another question. What happened to John Heater? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Holy yeah. shit. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I'll i keep watching them if they keep making them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at, uh, like, 
you know, you talk about how you watch a lot of schlocky stuff like I Am Vengeance or whatever. And the the Tremors movies to me are kind of my version of that. Like, I really, I don't know why I've, I love these movies as a, I guess I know why I loved them as a kid. Um, and I still think they're fun. But yeah, the fact that I still will probably, yeah, I need to see A Cold Day in Hell. I didn't see that one. But I will probably watch... Um, whatever six and seven whatever number these are at some point just because i don't know there's something about them that just keeps bringing me back i can't even explain why (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i can't either uh, especially since i think the only two that are straight up pretty good like the first film is great um i will fight i will fight anyone who tells me otherwise um second one is good enough um and then the third one's not very good fourth one the the prequel was not half bad like they did some stuff with it um and so it's like you know there there haven't been enough like outright bad ones to the point that i'll just like turn my back on the franchise um even the even the fifth one the one in africa it was it's, you know jamie candy's annoying but it's like it's, it's fine yeah it wasn't the worst thing in the world i gotta say it was it was all right yeah I mean the the budget too. It's like the special effects were actually adequate. Like they weren't mm-hmm. awful. Like I, I mean, I told you, I am vengeance. What what that shit looked like? It's like yeah. shot on a potato, and we couldn't even afford. I don't think they had any actual firing weapons in that film. In a in an action movie that consists largely of scenes of people shooting at each other, I think they only had airsoft guns, and then they just <laughs> put muzzle flashes over it and. They did the thing where you can see the person doing the motion, like the recoil motion. Yeah. Oh yeah. fuck! Oh fuck! It's just I just reminded myself. Uh, there's a moment in the sequel where a lady pulls out a law, so like a disposable bazooka, basically, or rocket launcher. Yeah. And she does the recoil thing. I'm like, that's the fucking point of the tube. It doesn't have <laughs> recoil. what the fuck (laughs) Uh, they didn't do their research on that one you don't even have to do research like there's people on the set like continuity people or something that's like uh that's a problem like that's gonna make the that's gonna make the special effects people's job harder too (laughs) it's like hang on that looks completely wrong it's like well that's what we got (laughs) Clearly, it was uh, probably 4.30 on a Friday when they shot that, and they just said, just just wrap it up. Let's let's get our weekend going. Uh, and more than likely, they filmed it like some some far-off Eastern European country, and the crew that they had like either didn't give a shit or had no ability to communicate with them. And it was just like, well, I guess that's the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> but um, I think I'm about tapped out. I don't think I have much to say about any other releases uh, for this month. Um, so let's do a quick review here, Brad. Um, any movies that you think you'll pick up or check out? Yeah, I, I did already pick up Cursed Films. Um, my Amazon delivery is on the way, and uh, I will uh, buy Swallow at some point before the end of the year for a rewatch of that. But that's probably going to be it for this month. Gotcha. Um, I will probably end up picking up a version of the town, uh, sometime soon, not necessarily this version, but, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's on my mind. And when I get that way, like it's best to just take care of it. Um, I will not be getting Gundam bill fighters. Um, <laughs> like, I'll keep buying the fucking toys, but I'm not going to watch the show. I, I draw the line there. 
Fair enough. Um, fair enough. <laughs> whatever you need to tell yourself. <laughs> um, I do want that Gamera box set, but it is too expensive right now. It's I can't justify the expenditure. I already paid good money for I Am Vengeance Retaliation, um, <laughs> and you know I, I got one good one one good mudslinging session out of it. So I guess it was worth the money. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to pay money for it, but I do want to see Deep Blue Sea 2 and 3. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe I'll red box it or something. I'm sure it's there. It seems you gotta like it's check designed out, for you that. you got to check out Open Water 2 if you haven't already. Open Water 2 is where it's at. Oh, yeah? I haven't. Yeah. So um, I mean, it's not good, but it's like the perfect, like, you know, in that zone of terrible sequels to movies. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm there for it. So, sure, I'll, I'll put that on my list. Um, but, yeah, other than that, it's a... F- pretty weak month as far as purchases go so i think that's about it for me um but yeah uh, that being said uh brad uh thank you so much for joining me um do you want to give yourself a little promotional plug here let the folks at home know where they can find your stuff yeah you can find uh our show cinema speak uh on twitter at the cinema speak or on instagram cinema speak podcast and uh just wherever you find podcasts itunes stitcher spotify you can just search for cinema speak and you can find us there and hit that subscribe button you know what the youtubers say all that stuff smash that like button Uh, but yeah, if you want to check out some of our stuff, that would be the Catching Up on Cinema podcast. Uh, we do have a website. You can look us up at catchinguponcinema.com, uh, where you can find all of our episodes. Um, they're also available uh, wherever better podcasts are hosted. Um, and we also have a couple of social media accounts. You can hit us up at the Twitters, at Catching Cinema, as well as the Instagrams, at Catching Up on Cinema. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for joining me, Brad, as we uh, caught up on Blu-rays for the month of August 2020. And uh, yeah, uh, folks at home, we will catch you next time.